For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back in episode two of the Believe in Patriots podcast here for 2020. I'm your host, Brady Farkas. Remember exactly what we're doing here is this. Once a week on the podcast, out of season, twice a week in the season, we are going to have a full-time co-host, a former Patriots player. Excited to announce that soon. For now, just me, though. Appreciate all the great feedback that we had on episode one. A lot of fun to do this. We want to be your number one source of Patriots commentary, insight, stats, guess, all of it. We're going to have Matt Verderam, the NFL director at fansided.com, who will join us a little while from now. Do us a favor. Subscribe, rate, review, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, however you get your podcast. I appreciate everybody who listened. Again, a lot of great feedback here on episode one. I am Brady Farkas. Again, you can follow me on Twitter at 1013. 1013 Radio Brady, radio host up in Burlington, Vermont. We are a Patriots affiliate, so you hear a lot of stuff from my radio show. You hear a lot of stuff from national radio shows, people talking about the Pats. But now, let's get to it with my opening thought. The Patrick Mahomes money is absurd. I know it's not the Patriots, but it affects the Patriots in a lot of different ways. I mean, a 10-year extension, 500 plus million, we're talking about over 400 million in in guarantees. He's going to be I mean, it's the richest contract in professional sports in terms of a raw number. Will he get more than Mike Trout got in baseball guaranteed? That I'm not sure yet, but my god, 500 million dollars to play quarterback. And I look, I love Patrick Mahomes even as a Pats guy. I love Patrick Mahomes. How does it affect the Patriots? Well, one, they're going to be playing against him for the next 12 years. He's only going to be 36 when this thing ends. So if you thought that you were lucky as a Patriots fan, all the times that your Jets friends, all the times that your Dolphin friends, all the times that your Bills friends told you, man, I hate Brady. I hate that guy. He's never, he's, he's always there. He's, oh, I hate that guy. That's how we all have the potential to feel right now about Patrick Mahomes because he's going to be there for a decade plus and certainly at least for the next couple of years. You know, you always hear uh, you can't win when your quarterback makes a huge amount of your salary cap. Well, the next couple of years, very, very manageable for the Chiefs. So they don't have to get rid of Tyreek Hill. They don't have to get rid of Travis Kelsey. They can just add around Mahomes. So at least for the next two years, they don't have to deal with any of that cap stuff. So um, that's absurd money. Good for him. Hey, good for him if you can get it, but it impacts the Patriots because they have to play against Mahomes or playing against Mahomes this season, early in the season. So going to be bad news uh, for the Pats there, at least in terms of the matchup. It also kind of, it also underscores my point of last week. And where I caught flack last week is from a lot of Patriot fans who think that Cam Newton is the answer. Cam Newton is the way that this team should go because fans want to win every year. I, as I told you last week, and I'll continue to talk about this week, I believe that the Patriots should have played the long game. They should have played for the future. They didn't need to go out and 
and get Cam Newton. And I like Cam Newton. That's nothing to do with Cam Newton. That's everything to do with team building and the proper way to build your team. But it, the, the Mahomes stuff underscores what I said last week. And let me point it out to you in this way. The money just keeps now going up for quarterbacks. You've already read it's the time I'm taping this here on Tuesday, July 7th. Dak Prescott, more money. Deshaun Watson, more money. If you're a Patriot fan who thinks that, okay, Cam will be here for a year and then we'll go out and sign someone in free agency, well, that money to sign somebody good who you would want in free agency, that money just keeps escalating now. And you've seen it. I've seen it. Your friends have told you it. You've read it. Bill Belichick doesn't pay the top dollar for quarterbacks. He doesn't do that. He didn't want to pay Brady the two years, $50 million guaranteed. He didn't want to do that. Is he going to go and give Deshaun Watson $300 million over 10 years, eight years, whatever? No, he's not going to do that. So the price of the quarterback position just went, just went way up. You're no longer going out in free agency next year to get that big name because it's just too, it's just going to be too absurdly priced. Deshaun Watson's worth whatever they're going to pay him to the Houston Texans face of their franchise. He's not worth it in the bill. He's not, that's not the way that Bill Belichick operates. And by the way, along the lines of what we talked about with Mahomes, what, what the Patriots just did, with what the Seahawks did earlier in Russell Wilson's career, what the Rams almost did before they lost to the Patriots, your goal is to win while your quarterback's on a rookie contract. That is, that is your ultimate goal. That's the ultimate coup of the NFL. Win while your quarterback is on his rookie contract before it starts to eat away at your salary structure, before you have to make tough calls. Okay, Why are the Rams, in my opinion, not in a position to succeed in 2020? Well, because look at what all they did. Okay, They gave Goff big money. They gave Gurley big money. They gave Ramsey. They got, when got Ramsey. They made all these moves. Akeem Tlaib, they went all They went all in for those couple of years with Sean McVay early. And they got to a Super Bowl and they didn't win. And now they're decimated by their contract structure. Had to get rid of Gurley. Have to you know, figure out what they're doing everywhere else and make all these tough calls. Trade Brandon Cooks. They had to make all these calls. You don't, you don't want to do that. You want to win with a young quarterback. So Unless the Patriots win the Super Bowl, they've really hurt themselves in value in a lot of ways. And all I hear about is how Bill Belichick wants value. Think about this. You're not going to sign a huge free agent to huge money. There's no value in that. So you've lost that. You signed Cam to a big deal. Not as big as Mahomes, not as big as Watson because he's going to be 31 years old. But if you sign him to a big deal, well, now you've got an aging quarterback on a big deal that's eating away at your salary. And now Cam's no longer valuable. The best, val- the best thing about Cam right now is that he's valuable. His, his contract's valuable. You sign him to a big deal, he's no longer valuable. If you franchise tag him next year and say, hey, I'll just go year to year with him and I'll pay him a big a big pot of money for one year, again, he ceases to be valuable. As the quarterback market goes up, he becomes a $30 million quarterback for that one year. And he eats at your salary cap next year only. No longer valuable. And then, the last one, if you just roll with Stidham next year, well, now you've only got two years left on his rookie contract. The first year, we still got to see if he can play. So I got one year left to really see what I want to do before I got to go give him big money. And then I lose the Jared Goff special. I lose the Russell Wilson special, the Patrick Mahomes special. I lost the cheap contract, and I lost all the value. So, again, I like Cam. I still wouldn't have done it. Here we go, though. We do this now every single time. We do it. It's four downs. We'll start with first down. Um... Along the lines of the salary cap, it's truly amazing. And I have learned 
that it's like hieroglyphics trying to figure out the NFL salary cap, trying to figure out, okay, we got cap hits, we got dead cap, we got this number, we got that number, and it's rolled over. What's the transition tag? What's the franchise tag? What's the impact? It's unbelievably hard trying to figure out. Mike Gennetti, SpotTrack.com, awesome resource. Miguel, at Pat's Cap on Twitter, awesome recap, does just the pa- awesome insight, does just the Patriot stuff. Well, on my radio show, The Huddle, 101.3 The Game, Burlington, Vermont, we talked to Brad Spidelberger of OverTheCap.com. But when the Patriots got Cam Newton, once they signed him, they had less than $300,000 in, in cap space. And for a Patriots team that historically, you know it as well as I do, doesn't pay anybody. Brady was never top of the market. They don't have top flight wide receivers. They they pay Gilmore, but beyond that, like who are they really paying? How did this cap situation get so bad for New England that they have to give Cam Newton a veteran minimum? A veteran minimum, $1 million salary, and they're left with $200,000 in the piggy bank. How did it get so bad, Brad Spiegelberger, uh, or Brad Spielberger rather, of over the cap? So it really was a couple, you know, things that teams are doing nowadays uh, when they have kind of a, you know, a Hall of Fame quarterback and they're trying to squeeze every last bit out of him at the end of his career, they're just going to keep kicking money into the future. You know, the Saints are doing it, uh, the Patriots are doing it, and so what happens is eventually, eventually you got to pay the piper, right? So there's a $13.5 million cap hit that is for Tom Brady in 2020 for the Patriots, even though he's not even on your roster. Uh, then you have... Antonio Brown situation, obviously a bit of a cluster. He leaves a $4.5 million cap hit on the Patriots 2020 cap hit, even though he's not on the team. So the total there is around $26 million, um, which is pretty high uh, for a single-year dead money charge. So $26 million in dead cap. All the Patriots have done the last couple of years, apparently, not paying anybody, is just kick the problem on down the road. And here we are in 2020 where it's down to a head. Now, I'll get to this soon. They, they, As I'm, you know, a couple hours before I'm taping this, they restructured Rex Burkhead. They freed up another million dollars. But that's why you see them doing these things, restructure Burkhead and, and restructure Patrick Chung earlier. They're now just cheap. They're robbing Peter to pay Paul. That's how the situation has gotten so bad. $26 million in dead cap. And because it's so confusing to people, and this was hard for me to understand for a long time, and and Brad articulated with me in the interview afterwards also, Tom Brady has a $13 million dead cap hit. He's not actually being paid $13.5 million by the Patriots. He's already been paid that money. He got he kept converting things, get you know, salary, you know, base salary converted to signing bonus, but the cap drags on to other years. So he's already gotten the money. So they're not actually paying him $13.5 million this year. They just basically have that dead number that's already been paid out several years earlier. It's now impacting this year's salary cap. Where it's interesting further is that the Patriots, while in a horrible position this year, are actually in a great position next year. And this is what should excite you if you are a Patriots fan. There, Brad Spielberger, over the cap, he told us also that the Patriots are projected to have the fourth most salary cap available to them in the NFL next year. Here's how He was talking about that along with salary cap logistics with us, too. The Patriots, yes, are, have the fewest, um, have the least cap space in the NFL for 2020. Uh, they're projected to have the fourth most in the NFL for 2021. 
uh, and they just haven't really borrowed from their future dollars yet, which teams can obviously do by, you know, kicking extensions down the road and kicking signing bonuses down the road. So the Patriots were able to come in. Uh, they're down to about 253000 in cap space, which is, you know, close to nothing. Um, <laughs> but they have so much space, you know, going forward that if they need to create room, they can, they can have, you know, a bunch of different ways to go about doing that. So, again, they did it with Rex Burkhead after I talked to Brad Spielberg on the radio, Brad Spielberg on the radio show, The Huddle. In Burlington, Vermont. So Patriots have a little more than that now than the 250 or whatever he just said was. But they're in a great position next year. Think about what they can do. And we know because of the coronavirus, the salary cap is likely to go down or at least not go up. So you're going to see teams who are hurting money-wise, who have high-priced veterans who they no longer can afford. The Patriots all of a sudden are going to be in a huge position to just start gobbling up some veteran contracts, start paying some people in free agency. This is another reason why I was so okay with the idea of the gap year. I was so okay with the idea of Stidham figuring out the answer and maybe being average or below average, but just get the answer on him, as I told you last week, because everything was aligned for mediocrity this year. They have no money. They have no money, but they're going to have a lot of money next year. So they play just everything's average this year, average to below. They go seven and nine, but next year, Stidham, Got a year of experience. Hopefully he's good enough that we can roll with him next year. He's better next year. He's got more talent around him because they got all that cap space. They get an average draft pick, so now they're picking in the middle of rounds instead of the end of rounds. They can get better young players, and the team can infuse athleticism. That's what I wanted. That's what I wanted this year. That's why I didn't want the Cam Newton thing to happen because it all lined up perfectly. How the Patriots cap situation got so bad is fascinating. How What they have ahead of them is fascinating as well. Continuing on here, second in goal on the Believe in Podcast Network, Patriots Podcast. You know, the answer for me on how to fix the cap problem all along has been that the Patriots should just trade Joe Tooney. And it was it's an easy answer, right? It's not rocket science to figure out. Patriots had no money. Joe Tooney on the franchise tag making more than $15 million. He's a offensive lineman. Patriots could trade him, clear $15 million instantly. That was a very easy answer. The Patriots have a good offensive line already. Pro Football Focus projects them to have the seventh best offensive line in the NFL. So you have Cannon, have Isaiah Wynn, David Andrews comes back from blood clots. I mean, you have pieces there that you, Shaq Mason, you felt really good about where the line could be. I said, okay, hey, Joe Tooney, especially if the team's in a rebuild year, you know, you don't need this second, second, um, you know, second team All Pro. He'll be valuable to someone else. You can go get something for him, save money, recoup a draft pick, etc. I thought that was the answer all along. That's not the answer anymore. Patriots can't do that, and the reason why is because of something that we never thought about, and I don't know why we didn't think about it. But Bob Sosi, Patriots broadcaster on the Patriots Radio Network, he told us this on the huddle on 101.3 The Game. Listen to this. When we talk about the pandemic, one of the things I think that's really a, a great question for and concern for a lot of guys across the league is even if there are games played, yeah. uh, are there going to be players who are going to opt out? And when you yeah. take a look at the Patriots offensive line, for example, guys, you, you're talking about a right tackle in Marcus Cannon who's a cancer survivor. And you have a center in David Andrews who last year missed the entire season because of blood clots. And I don't wow. know what their thoughts are. They, they haven't spoken about it publicly but, you know, there are going to be a lot of cases like that around the NFL this year where if games are played, you know, teams may be without those particular players who are at increased risk of the most severe consequences 
of the virus. So again, Bob Sosi's not saying with any inside information that those guys will opt out. But it's a thought that had never even occurred to me. David Andrews, prior health issues. Marcus Cannon, prior health issues. If you do get players who opt out, we see players opting out in the NBA. We see players opting out in Major League Baseball. We hadn't thought about it for the NFL. But what if they do? If the Patriots lose Cannon and Andrews, or one of the two, they're going to need Joe Tooney. And the best answer to to solve your cap problem might just be what you've done for years before. Kick it on down the road. Go and restructure it. Take down the salary. Give them a give them, you know convert the base salary to a signing bonus and hurt yourself in the future to open up money now. But you can't trade Joe Tooney. There were rumors a couple weeks ago that the Eagles might be interested, especially when Brandon Brooks got hurt. You can't do it. You you have second team All Pro linemen don't grow on trees. And oh by the way, you might have heard Camp Newton's got some injury concerns. You're gonna have to keep him upright. Him or Stidham. You don't want the young kid getting killed if he plays. You don't want Cam getting killed if he's playing. So you might as well keep him healthy, and you're going to need to do that by keeping Joe Tooney. All along, I thought the right answer was to trade him. I thought that for months. Trade Joe Tooney. Save the money. Don't need him. Not trying to compete. Well, now you are trying to compete. you got to keep your quarterback upright and healthy for as long as possible to preserve your chances to do so. And three, something we never gave a thought to was the idea that the Patriots might have players opt out. Moving on here, let's get to third down. You know, Ken Kreitz of Rotowire was on our radio show, and he gave the projections for a Cam Newton stat-wise in 2020. Uh, we're projecting about 3,700-plus passing yards, 440-plus rushing yards, 23 passing TDs, and five rushing TDs, and frankly, the way the Pats like to do those quick QB sneaks, I can see him vulturing more than just five TDs at the end zone. Frankly, number one, if I'm a Patriot fan, I don't believe those numbers. And number two, I wouldn't be real thrilled with those numbers for a couple of reasons. 3,700 pass yards was less than Tom Brady last year. All we heard about was how Tom Brady was no good last year, was washed up, how some people are happy that he's gone, how the offense is going to be better without him, and you're giving me somebody who's a worse passer than Tom Brady. But almost identical. Tom Brady had four thousand yards passing last year. You're gonna give Ken Kreitz tells me Cam Newton's projected at thirty seven hundred. How on earth is Cam Newton gonna be that close to Tom Brady? No preseason games, minimal offseason workouts, no OTAs, new playbook, coaching staff he's never been around, players he's never been around outside of the workouts with Mohamed Sanu. And For as hard as we hear the offenses to pick up, I'm supposed to believe that Cam Newton's going to come in and just be 300 yards passing less than the greatest quarterback of all time who's been there for 20 years. I don't believe that. Digging deeper on those numbers, though, you shouldn't even be happy if he hits those numbers for the most part. Rushing yards aside, the rushing yards would be a dramatic increase from anything Brady did. We know that. And they would be good. 440 rush yards would be good. That would have been fourth most in the NFL last year behind only Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, and Deshaun Watson. Actually, I think it would, it would have been third in the NFL last year. i got to see where Watson was, too. But nonetheless, it's in the top five. If, Tom, if, if Cam Newton, 3,700 pass yards, would have been 16th in the NFL a year ago. Are you real happy about that? Real happy with that average? Do I want to stunt the growth of Jared Stidham, halt the future for the 16th most touchdowns in the NFL? 23 passing TDs. Also, right in the middle, about 16th in the NFL. Average. Do I want do I want to stunt Stidham or stunt the future 
to just get average quarterback play. I don't think that I do. I don't think that I would want to do that. I mean, you're giving me... And then, oh, by the way, this is the one that I love the most. 3,700 pass yards sounds like a lot. When you divide it by 16, it's like 232 yards passing per game, which is like 25th. It's behind Gardner Minshew and Ryan Fitzpatrick. You're telling me that Jared Stidham, who's also inexpensive, who's young, who everybody loves apparently, you're telling me he couldn't be more, he couldn't throw for as many yards a game as as Gardner Minshew? I mean, this is the Ryan Tannehill special that you're telling me Cam Newton is going to be. Why am I doing this? If these are the numbers that Cam Newton's projected to hit, why do I feel good about it? Oh, but Brady, the Titans were good with Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, the Titans were good with Ryan Tannehill. Why? Because they had the league's leading rusher. I don't see that in New England. Derrick Henry led the league in rushing last year. You know, I mean, he was dominant last year, especially down the stretch. The Titans were winning in spite of Ryan Tannehill. They were winning because of Derrick Henry, and the Patriots don't have that to lean on. The Titans won last year with a conservative offense, with a game manager who could take an occasional shot. Jared Stidham can't be a game manager who takes an occasional shot? Because if that's the case, if Jared Stidham can't be a game manager who takes an occasional shot, then he was he was always the wrong choice, and you shouldn't have been telling me how great he was for the last several years. I mean, and Ken Kreitz also told me that they had Stidham. You know, they have Cam as a significant upgrade over Stidham. He told me on Twitter they had Stidham pegged at 2,800 yards. 2,800 yards is 175 yards a game. That's in the Mason Rudolph territory, barely above Case Keenum playing for the awful Washington Redskins. If if, if Jared Stidham was going to do that, then he never should have been playing anyways. I've got to believe that Jared Stidham could get close enough to make it worth the Patriots' while to see what they've got with him. i got to think he'd get more than 175 yards a game. If you want him to be a, if you want him to be a game manager who hands the ball off and just doesn't lose you the game, that's essentially what you're telling me Cam Newton's got to be too. The separator is the run game. I know that. Stidham will never run like Cam could run. And if Cam runs for 440 plus rushing yards, that will bring a good dynamic to the Patriots. It absolutely will. I can't defend Stidham against Cam's rushing ability. But I'm curious just how much Will the Patriots use Cam's rushing ability? Okay, because I think that's a big factor here. Um, Cam Newton is at his best when he gets rid of the ball quickly as a passer, and when he has designed run plays as a runner. Ben Lindsey, um, who works for Pro Football Focus, senior writer of Pro Football Focus, he joined our radio show and he talked about how the Patriots should use Cam moving forward. He's not the most accurate quarterback in the world. You want to use him in a design run game. Uh, you want to use him on play action, uh, get him on the move. And I, th- I think that's what the Patriots will do. I know he's dealt with some injuries the last couple of years. At the end of 2018, the Panthers weren't really using him in the run game because of that shoulder injury, obviously the foot injury last year. But I think if he's healthy, he will be used that way. Okay, so the Patriots, listen to what he said. Get rid of the ball quickly. Okay, we know that. Keep him healthy, get rid of the ball quickly. Well, he's got to get up the ball in guys' hands. I have questions about the Patriots' ability to do things in space. James White's pretty good with the ball in his hands, but do I trust that they have a bunch of guys who can 
catch the ball two yards away and then turn it into six? No, not really. You hear about the Patriots' lack of athleticism. I want to see more of it from Nikhil Harry, but we didn't see it last year. So get the ball out of his hands quickly. Well, they also don't let him throw that deep much, don't throw the deep ball as much anymore, protect the shoulder, and we don't want him to get hit, so we don't want him back there as long. So that negates some of that. So now we got a quarterback who's not going to throw deep too much and who's got to get rid of the ball quickly. That's Stidham could do that. 100% Stidham can do that just as well as Cam can. Then Cam's rushing ability. That's the separator. Ben Lindsay says they got to use him in design runs. I agree. If you want the fully effective Cam Newton, use him in design runs. However, what will the Patriots do? What will the Patriots do? Will they throw caution to the wind and say, hey, we got this guy for one year. Let's throw him to the Wolves and just do what we can. His health be damned in the future. If they do that, they will get the best version of Cam Newton for this year. They might hurt Cam down the road, but it will help the Patriots in 2020. Will Cam let them do that? Does Cam get a say in how he plays? I got to imagine he gets some say in how much he's going to run. Are they going to put him out there for 200 runs and Cam's going to sit there and take all the and take the attacks that he gets from defensive linemen and linebackers? I don't know. Maybe, but maybe not. And if Cam won't run like he needs to run to be effective, or they don't put him in a situation to run like he needs to run to be effective, then where is the upgrade over Jared Stedham? Because you're telling me that Cam Newton's going to be close to as good a passer as Tom Brady, and I don't believe it. And then you're telling me that Stidham is going to be far worse than Cam Newton, and I don't believe it. I don't believe it. But even if Cam hits the numbers that were outlined, 3,700 yards passing, you shouldn't be thrilled with that. Middle of the pack, 230 yards, 232 yards a game passing, lower than Gardner Minshew. Jared Stidham couldn't do that? If Jared Stidham's going to be in the Mason Rudolph category that Ken Kreitz told me, then he never sh- he shouldn't even be on the team because Mason Rudolph was downright bad last year when he played for the Pittsburgh Steelers. It was downright bad last year when he played for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, uh, let's see. Let's move on to fourth down. All right. I've spent a lot of time in the last episode and change telling you why I don't think Cam Newton was the right fit for the New England Patriots. And I believe that with every fiber of my being, that a gap year, a year off, get the cap thing figured out and let Jared sit and play would have been the best answer. That said, I'm ready for the Cam Newton experience. I love it. Okay, There's a difference between what's right and what's fun, and Cam Newton is what's fun. He's not what's right. Okay, he not the girl that I, He's not the girl that I want to marry. He's the girl that you want to date for a little while. And you know what? That girl could be fun too. All right. Cam Newton, you know, the social media post he had the other day, and I don't have good audio of it, but it was he was in his gym, he's working out, and he's saying that he's a lion, he's gonna be the alpha guy of the jungle, and everyone's gonna hear him roar. And he's throwing shade at Teddy Bridgewater and the Panthers. He says that you could have had this, but you chose that. I love it. People are already rubbed the wrong way. Oh, it's not the Patriot way. That's not how we do it in Foxborough. Everybody's mad at him for it. Look, Cam Newton's a brand. You signed up for it. And if you're going to give me the brand, if you're going to give me Cam, if you're going to blow my plan out of the water, my plan for the Patriots, I thought was a good one. Play with Stidham, be surprised, be good, boom. Be bad, get a high draft pick, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, boom. Get the answer. I love my plan. If you're going to blow my plan out of the water, 
I want all of Cam Newton. If you're going to do the wrong thing, you might as well give me all the fun that comes with it. Cam is going to be a little bit of an upgrade over Stidham. I don't think a thousand yards more than Stidham. It's going to be a little bit of an upgrade. I want the full Cam Newton experience. Okay, when he walked, he walked out of his car to go to Foxborough for his physical, and there he is in like the overalls. I'm in. I'm. I am here for it. Give me that. Give me the motivational video. Give me the. Give me the pump up speech. Give me everything. And you know what? I don't care if it's different than we've done it before. I want it different. If we're going to blow out the plan, then give me different. I've seen the Patriots be buttoned up for 20 years. I've seen them be buttoned up for 20 years. If you're going to blow it out of the water, then you might as well give me everything that comes with it. Give me the hair. Give me the outfits. Give me the comments. Give me the videos. Give me the motivation. I want all of it. And I want more of it. I want more of it. I want him to to yell first down like Tom Brady did, and I want him to get in people's face, and I want him to headbutt people, but don't get a penalty. I want him to slap guys' backsides. I want all of it. His teammates say he's a great leader. His teammates love him. His teammates appreciate him. As long as he's still bringing that to the table, and I have every reason to believe that he will, I have no problem with what he says on July 5th in a social media video. I just want more of it. Give me more Cam all the time acting like Cam. All right. Now, let's get to our interview. Matt Verderam, he's the NFL director at fansided.com. All right, now I want to welcome in my good friend, Matt Verderam, a guy I went to college with and uh, now is blown up one of the premier NFL insiders in the game, the NFL director at fansided.com. Matt, how are you? Great, Brady. How are you doing? Good. Well, I want, to, uh, I want to tell you that on the radio show I mentioned this the other day, but I was watching Jersey Shore reruns. The, uh, a couple weeks ago on MTV, and it reminded me of before you were a big shot when you would show back up at the dorms with a six-pack of Rolling Rock and watch with us on Thursday nights. That's true. I had a, I still had a girlfriend there who uh, was still attending school, and I had a whole bunch of friends like you know near uh, near dorm room there. And uh, yeah, we we'd come up and or I'd come up and spend the weekend, typically uh, bum it out on the couch, and uh, yeah, it was it was it was a. It was a good time, although looking back, Jersey Shore is, uh, is a travesty. It's but, still great. Um, it's still great. It is still great when you watch it again, trust me. But, you know, listen, I'm not, I'm not going to go out there and knock it. It was, it was a ridiculous show. Um, and, yeah, it was definitely a different time in my life. But it was a great time. I had a lot of fun. Uh, at least for the, the time that I remember of it. <laughs> what makes you? What would make you happier right now today? Watching an episode of Jersey Shore, still being in college with a six pack of Rolling Rock, or seeing Patrick Mahomes sign for a half a bill? <laughs> I think uh, growing up a Chiefs fan, I think I'll take the Mahomes thing. <laughs> that uh, that that's not listen. When when you grew up and you got to watch Steve Bono and Elvis Gervak and Matt Castle and Damon Heward, Brody Croyle, and Tyler Thigpen, uh, you you appreciate Patrick Mahomes. You know, it's not like you're a Packers fan and you have, like, Favre and you got Rodgers. Like, if you're a Packers fan, how much do you really appreciate Aaron Rodgers? Yeah. You, you went from, from Favre to, like, you're fine. You, you don't even know what it's like to have even an average or, or mediocre quarterback. So... Having Mahomes for the next twelve seasons is sign me up. Can the can the Chiefs create a Patriots esque dynasty in the Mahomes era? Like how many Super Bowls does he have to win to justify the deal? Well, if you're talking about can they win six Super Bowls and go to nine, I mean I, no, I would say no. That is such a 
historic thing New England did. I mean, you're talking about, you know, really over the reign of Brady and Belichick going every other year, essentially winning every third year almost. So, no, I, I don't think the Chiefs will do that. I, I think for, to think that would be just verbose. I, I don't think they're going to do that. But as far as how many, I mean, they won one. If D Ford could have lined up correctly, I think they probably would have already won two. But I, I would say, realistically, let's just say over the next dozen years, let's just assume this, this current contract. Um, I'd put the number at like two and a half. It's like the over-under. Mm-hmm. So if they, look, that, that being said, if they won two more Super Bowls, like, would I be disappointed? No. no. I mean, you know, that's, that's pretty damn good. I think you'd, be, you know, you'd have to be happy with that. But I, I think if you said to me, like, what's the betting line? I'd say probably like two and a half, and, and I, I might take the over only because, you know, I was listening to the press conference yesterday and Andy Reid talked about that he liked to coach there at least until he's about 70, early 70s. That's another decade. So I also look at the conference, and it's kind of like, well, who's going to beat them? I mean, obviously things are going to change over the next 10 years, but, like, you look around, the Raiders of Derek Carr, Denver has Drew Locke. Uh, you know he's a young kid. We'll see what he does. You know I'm not I'm not sure that he has a Mahomes-esque ceiling. Uh, the Chargers. We'll see with Justin Herbert. I don't know anybody believes that he's going to be a Mahomes-type talent. Although you know, go Mahomes would be Mahomes coming out of college. So we'll see. We'll see. But they're the big favorites this year, and uh, they're loaded. They brought the whole team back. Well, the Patriots are going to see Mahomes and company in the early portion of the season, so we'll get a nice fresh look at look at the uh, the yeah, newly minted billionaire. So um, let me ask you this. Who do you think is who do you think Bill Belichick would rather have from a value standpoint? Cam Newton at one million dollars or Patrick Mahomes at five hundred million? <laughs> well, I guess you that's like asking if Mahomes is five hundred times better than, than Newton. But um, I mean in the from a value standpoint, I guess Newton, because if he's healthy then you know, he's not 500 times worse than Patrick Mahomes. Um, but if you said to me, you know, would, would they rather have a, a league average quarterback um, or would, would the Pats rather tie up 20 to 25% of their cap in Mahomes that build around that? I think every, I, I don't think it's just New England. I think every team in the league. Would say, give me Mahomes. We'll figure out the rest of it because the league. You know, Brady, you know this. You know, we're we're about the same age, and you've been a fan for a long time and covered the sport. The league is more pass happy and and more geared toward quarterbacks now than ever before. You can have a roster that is average, you know, decent, slightly above average. If you have the great quarterback and and a really good head coach, and obviously Belichick certainly qualifies as that, you're going to win. 11, 12, 13 games. You know, just depending on health and the schedule and kind of how things break. You're almost guaranteed to be a playoff day. I mean, obviously, you, you know, being a Seahawks fan, your whole life, I mean, Russell Wilson, they've had years where they've kind of rebuilt. I mean, last year was the year where they were supposedly rebuilding, and they, they were a, a drive away from going to the NFC Championship game. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, I think if, if, Bill Belichick had his brothers, and he said, hey, look, you got to take Mahomes. He's going to pick up a quarter of the cap. I think do it in two seconds. I disagree with what the Patriots have done with Cam Newton. It's not because I think Cam is done or washed up. I don't think that Cam's bad. And I like Cam. I've actually enjoyed 
following Cam for the last two weeks. I just think it was a this was a perfect time for the Patriots to reset. I was so okay with the idea of a gap year, man. What I mean by that is they have no money. They're going to have a lot of money next year. So basically, yeah. sit this year out. See where they're at with Stidham. If they strike gold again, then they go 10 and 6, then fine. Stidham's the answer. You move forward and you try to win the Super Bowl again starting next year. If they bottom out and they go 4 and 12, fine. You draft in the top four of the draft. You get a great quarterback and then you start the process next year. I was all in on the gap year. Do you like what they've done by going after Cam? I don't, I don't disagree with you in, in terms of like, you know, having a gap year, kind of seeing how things shake. I think that's a, that's a fair point. It's a fair way to look at it. I do believe that with Belichick, they're always a contender. So I don't hate that they just said, you know what, look, we're not going to tie up our future years. I would have really liked it if they went out and gave him like a three-year contract. I don't mind that they should look. It's one year. If it doesn't work out, fine. Who cares? If it does work out and, he, and he's healthy and, he, and he's a top 12 quarterback in the league, then that's great. And he's either a quarterback going forward or – if for whatever reason they decide, you know what, he was good, but we're not going to stick with him. Well, then you can always, you know, let him walk for a compensatory pick, or you can even tag and trade him if they really want to. Um, it gives them some different options. The only thing I'll say in defense of, of I totally understand the move is the division's awful. Like if, if you're New England, you might look at that division and go, okay, the Dolphins are. I think Flores is an excellent young head coach, but they're still rebuilding. The Jets are the Jets until proven otherwise. I don't want to hear one word about the Jets until they, until they actually do something. The Bills have a very good roster, but the quarterback is just a gigantic question mark. You look at the quarterback, and you have no idea what he's going to be. He could step up and become a borderline Pro Bowl player. He could be Trubisky. Like there is, the gap is just massive with Josh Allen because his highs are incredible and his lows are just disastrous. So I could see if you're the Pats going, look, if there's any good, we're going to win 10 games, and then we're going to win the division because we're confident that we'll win five of our six divisional games, and, and, and we'll be able to play in January again. So I understand both sides of it. I don't think your idea is bad, um, but I also think if they're not sold on Stedham internally, then you know let it roll. Play Newton and see what happens. I guess it just comes down to me is the idea of thinking about – you know, one year at a time or thinking about the long-term health of your franchise. Like if you told me that, that Washington or the Jaguars or the lions, were going to go all in on some kind of weird radical move to try to just get to the playoffs. Then I'd say, okay, that those franchises need it. The Patriots are coming off multiple Super Bowl appearances and wins over the last several right. years. Like they don't need to do that. So that's why I was able to sit back and say, you know what? I, as a fan can just rationalize it. Hey, Maybe my 16 Sundays aren't as pleasant as they could be, but I'm going to have multiple years' worth of pleasant Sundays if I play this thing right in the long term. And I just don't think they did that. Well, that's, no, listen, there's, there's truth. There's truth in that. Because if Newton isn't terrific and he's just a guy and they go 7-9, and nine, that's worst-case scenario. To me, in the NFL, really in most sports, but certainly in the NFL, you are far worse off going 7-9 and nine or 8-8 eight eight than you are going 3-13. I mean, and, and Matt, couldn't, couldn't I also yeah. say, though, that like if Stidham plays and they go 8-8 eight and eight, with 7, yeah. yeah, yes, that's bad from a draft pick perspective, but if your goal is to just get to the playoffs and be relevant with seven teams per conference, 8-8 eight eight might even get you into the playoffs with Stidham. Is there a difference between 8-8 eight and eight with Stidham and 9-7 and seven with Cam? No, not between 8-8 eight and eight with Stidham and 9-7 with Cam. No, I don't think there is. I don't think there's a difference at all. Um, 
But I think what their hope is, is Newton is healthy, and he goes out. I mean, he's not the MVP of the league again, but he has a, just a good year. Throw for 4,000 yards, 27 touchdowns, and they win you know, 11 games. And then I think there is a difference. Because then all of a sudden, maybe you're like a three-sheet or something, and you're actually relevant. You're the team that Kansas City and Baltimore doesn't want to face. You've got Belichick and Newton coming to town. The problem New England's going to have, in my opinion, the offense, no matter who the quarterback is, it just doesn't scare anybody. I mean, I mean that's the, – the problem is the weapons or the lack of. Like, Edelman, to me, is not going to be as good without Brady. I, I, I don't want to hear about you – know, I've had enough past sound sorry tell me, well, he's a great player. No, I'm not – he is a great player. But he's had a chemistry for, with Brady his entire career. And Brady is a very rhythmic, on-time passer. Cam Newton has never been that. And not, not to say Cam can't work with and structure the offense, because he can, but Cam Newton is not a guy who's going to take a three-step hitch and whale it. He's just not going to do that. Cam Newton is a guy who makes plays. He's a, he's, a, he's a quarterback who he's more willing to play with a little bit of freelance in his game. That's not a bad thing. That's going to create bigger plays. So there's nothing wrong with that, but it's going to take away from Julian Edelman. Julian Edelman is not going to go out and have 120 receptions this year. So without him being just unbelievable, even last year, as good as he was, it, it didn't matter. They couldn't score a point. They don't have weapons. Muhammad Sanu doesn't scare anybody. Nikhil Harry, the, the potential's there, but he's going to do it. Like I, I mean, potential's a fancy word for saying you've never done anything. So I need to see them do it. They couldn't run the ball at all last season. Skarnecki is not there anymore. That offense, even if Newton's there, unless he's just back to being MVP-level Cam Newton, they're not going to score. They're going to have to win games the way they won last year, which is you know, giving up 14 points, winning 16-14, 20-17, stuff like that. And while I think they can do it, I do think that caps their ceiling because I don't think they're going to be Kansas City or New England point, or Kansas City or Baltimore point like that. I don't. You know, I talked about this earlier in the podcast and, and on the radio show um, Bob Sosi, the Patriots broadcaster, joined us, and he he didn't say this with any conviction. He was just speculating on possible things that could happen in this season. The Patriots have Marcus Cannon, who's a cancer survivor, and David Andrews, who missed the yep. entire year because of blood clots. I've spent so much energy thinking about which NBA players are going to sit out and which baseball players are going to sit out that I never even allowed myself to think about what happens if NFL players start sitting out. And those are two guys with pre-existing um, health concerns for the Patriots. I haven't even thought about NFL players sitting out. How drastically could that impact not just the Patriots, but any team? Oh, it's a great point. It could impact teams quite a bit. You know, guys are going to be looking out for their health this year as well they should be. And it's going to be interesting. You know, we've seen baseball already. Some guys do it. Some guys have sat out. David Price, Joe Hernandez, Marcakis, Mike Trout has not done it yet, but he's talked about it. Um, there's going to be guys who do it. I would be shocked. If there are guys who don't. Now, and we, we've seen before, you know, in certain instances where players have had to miss a game because of health. You know, a lot of times Denver, uh, you know, a, a player goes up there. And as I said, I believe it was years ago, Pittsburgh played a game up there. Yeah. Ryan Clark at the shit. So, now obviously this is much different, right? Like, this is a whole season type of thing, potentially. Um, it's going to happen. I, I don't know if it'll be, you know, Cannon or Andrews, but it, it certainly will happen. Guys are going to say, hey, you know what, I, I, I just can't get conscious play this year, whether it be 
uh, for a pre-existing condition or just simply a concern for, you know, infecting a family member. Maybe somebody has a wife who's pregnant. Um, you know, so it will impact the season. And make no mistake, this season's going to look different than any. I don't care where anybody falls politically or socially on this thing. Like, it's going to look a lot different. So, yeah, I, I think every team in one way or another is going to be impacted by it. Well, I'll get you out of here on this. The one thing that the NFL has had for a lot of the months here is time. They've all, we've, they've always had the benefit of time. They really no longer have that benefit as far as I'm concerned. As I'm, as we're recording this, you know, players have to start reporting to camps in like 17 days and some teams or some state or 13 days in some cases, and some states have quarantine rules where guys got to like leave yesterday in order to get there. I mean, how confident do you feel in us having a full NFL season? Very, very. I think the NFL will move heaven and earth to play every game. I really do. I, I know I even may be in the minority with that one. Just talking to people in the league, texting with some people that I know within the NFL, um, whether it be you know, team executives or, or it be even suppliers, there is a pretty commonly held, widely held belief that, no, we're going to play these games. This is going to happen. Now, does that mean there's never an interruption? Does that mean that the season doesn't get delayed by a week? No, because I, I, think, I think all that stuff's in play. I could see them moving the games back. I could see them taking a break in the in the you know middle of the winter if there's an outbreak. I, could see, I feel a lot of things. I could see the Super Bowl being moved back a month and everything getting shifted around. I, I and I in fact I think at some point or another something probably will happen to that extent. But you're talking about twenty billion dollars, and I think you know these other sports, baseball is in spring training, basketball and the NHL were. Coming up on the playoffs, there were you know ten, fifteen games left per team. Those sports got essentially blindsided, stopped everything, sent everybody home. We went through the, the main crux of COVID. Now, of course, we're we're starting to ramp up again as a country. Um, but I think once these games start, like once everything gets rolling, it's going to be very, very hard to get the NFL to shut it down because they know if they shut it down that you're looking at months before they can restart it. I think what's going to happen, and this is completely my opinion, I think what's going to happen is guys are going to be quarantined if they get sick. Obviously, they've already put out some guidelines. You know, a guy gets sick, and and depending on whether he's symptomatic or asymptomatic, they they have to go through different protocols. But I just think you're going to see a season where, look, if you're sick, you can't play that week, whatever the case may be. They're going to bring up a guy from a practice squad, and it's going to make for some weird games. There's going to be games, I'm sure, where some team's starting quarterback is COVID and just can't play. And it's going to, it's going to make it very odd. Um, and it might alter the playoff. I mean, there, I'm sure there's going to be a game this year where some guy won week 16 of a playoff race and some major player can't play because of COVID. Oh. And people are going to go insane. But that's reality. So I do think they'll play a whole season. I do think we'll have a Super Bowl champion at the end of the year. I don't think it's going to look anything like a season we've ever seen before. And I do believe uh, there will be fans. I don't think there will be any stadiums that are packed. Uh, maybe, maybe at the end of the year, if you know, if a vaccine comes up, something like that. But I think, I think they're going to see, I guess the right word might be limited crowds, sparse yeah. crowds, um, and then they'll figure it out.
Matt Verderam, one of the best, the NFL director, fansided.com. You can follow him on Twitter, at Matt Verderam. And uh, Matt, I want to tell you, Jersey Shore reruns MTV every Thursday, 9 a.m. until 5 p.m. Well, that seems like you're you're very tuned in. I, I, here's the thing, though. I don't even need to turn on uh, MTV because uh, my wife has Amazon Video. And uh, so I subscribed like a week ago to MTV Hits because you get every MTV show for the past, like, 15 years, you just watch them for free. And I have been, I have just been burning through episodes of the challenge. Um, and I'm, I'm excited about it. I've watched way more than any, any human being should ever watch the challenge, but, uh, it's $6 a month and I'm home on essentially, you know, like we all are quarantined. So I'm invested. I'm going to sit down and keep trucking. Did you like Jersey Shore best when they were in Jersey, the Miami season or the Italy season? No, it's got to be Jersey. Okay, like, I, first of all, I'm a New Yorker, you're a New Yorker. Like, I'm, I'm an Italian from New York. Like, I, I, my, my whole family, not so much my immediate family, but many cousins of mine, they'll go to the Jersey Shore every year. We used to go to the Jersey Shore all the time. Like, you can't have Jersey Shore in Miami. <laughs> so they started to bastardize the whole thing, um, if that's even possible, when, when they took it out of New Jersey. So I, I will. It's always, always got to be the original. Um, that show is ridiculous, but we had a lot of good times in college uh, watching it, and then also drinking Rolling Rock. And Paulie D is still the best character. So, Ten years later, Paulie D is still the best. All kidding aside, are those, this guy's like forty years old, right? Uh, Paulie D is like forty-four, so he was the oldest one. He was the oldest one when they were doing the show. They were all like in their low to mid twenties. He was like thirty three when the thing started. I think. Yeah, that's incredible. I was going to say the show that's started so in two thousand eight, and I think he was like thirty three when it started. Well, I'll leave you with this because this is—I'm sure I've told you this—but this is one of my favorite stories about all this. Um, well, I, when I was in college, between my junior and senior year, I, I worked as an intern. For the Hudson Valley Renegades, the trailer is not familiar. It's a short season single A team for the Tampa Bay Rays. And so I, I was a, just a broadcasting intern. I'd go in, I'd you know, work the board, I'd do some radio stuff anyway. Every time when I'd go in, there was no special interest or anything. We just, we just walked through the, the ticket gates like anybody else. And one of the women there was Snooky's mother. <laughs> Who so worked for the team? She was, she was a ticket taker at the game. Oh, my God. And this was like, I, don't quote me on this one. I think, I think it was like a couple months before the show started to air, so it already been taped. And she would tell us, like, my daughter, Nicole, aka Snooky, is going to be a star. <laughs> and we were just like, yeah, okay, sure. Like, yeah, just humor or whatever. Whatever and, you say, lady. And then that happened. And then here's the kicker to all this. So it, Fast forward now, like a decade, almost a decade, seven or eight years. I meet my eventual wife, Stephanie, and we're talking, and somehow this show comes up. Stephanie doesn't you know, like, she never watched Stephanie. Show comes up, and she kind of starts laughing. I'm like, yeah, well, you know what? Well, you know, well, what of it? What's funny about it? She was like, I actually partied with Snooki once in college. Like, apparently, Snooki went to Bradley University to, like, do, I don't know if it was like a speech engagement or just some appearance. And my wife ended up at a bar uh, partying the night away with Snooky, and there's photographs of it. So it was, <laughs> um, 
Billy Young Show has uh, unfortunately has deep roots here in the Verdam household. Well, there you go. I told you, 9 a.m. on Thursdays. Matt Verdam, NFL Director, Fansided.com. Matt, we appreciate it, man. We'll do it again. Thanks a lot. All right, that was our interview with NFL Director of Fansided.com, Matt Verderam, a guy I've known for a long time. A lot of insight all around the NFL. Diehard Chiefs fan, we'll forgive him for that, uh, except when the Patriots play him and uh, and his Super Bowl champion Chiefs. All right, let's uh, let's get to three and out here. Let's get to my final three thoughts rapid fire. We talked earlier in the podcast about Cam Newton and his fantasy football projections. I think having Cam Newton on the roster has a really distinct effect on the Patriots running backs when it comes to a fantasy perspective or even just a productivity standpoint. I think that it really helps James White. And the reason why is because Cam, when number one, Cam needs to get the ball out of his hands quickly. We talked about that. Cam gets the ball out of his hands quickly. James White's recipient of a dump off in the same way as with Brady. 50 catches, 60 catches, whatever. James White gets a lot of touches from the quarterback who plays like that. Two, though, the Patriots have been incredibly predictable. When James White's on the field, they pass. When Sonny Michelle's on the field, they run. In Michelle's rookie year, when he was on the field, the Patriots ran the ball 76% of the time. That was the most of any regularly used back in the NFL. They were super predictable. When White was on the field, you knew they were passing. Now, with Cam there, because Cam acts as a running back on his own, defenses see White on the field, and they're still not sure what Cam's going to do. That's going to cause a little bit of hesitation for the linebackers, a little bit of hesitation for DB, safeties, anyone who's cheating up. Because if they have to account for Cam as a runner, they can't solely key on James White as a pass catcher. And that little bit of doubt, that split second, is maybe the difference between two yards and seven yards for James White. So I think he's got a big impact there positively. Negatively is where the impact comes on Sony Michelle. And I look, I love multi-back systems. I love what the Patriots have. I love having a, a, a multitude of good backs. I don't need to be married to one back. Because when that one back gets injury, it injures, a la Saquon Barkley last year, you see what the Giants look like. When Ezekiel Elliott doesn't play, you see what the Cowboys look like. The anti-running back crowd is going to have a field day with Sony Michelle this year because Rex Burkhead's there, Cam Newton's there, James White's there, Damian Harris is there. They all take carries and touches away from Sony Michelle so his numbers come down. And then Cam... He's going to take away some of Sony Michelle's touchdowns. Believe that. Ken Kreitz of Rotowire said this. That Michelle worries me. He had no 100-yard games last year and foot surgery now in May. I see Damian Harris eating into his carries. He's not going to, Harris is a runner. He's not a catcher like White. Uh, and then again, we mentioned Newton, so good at vulturing goal line TDs. Those are going to come away from Michelle. Yeah, Sony Michelle's not going to be as productive in 2020. So whether you're looking from a fantasy perspective or just trying to justify the Patriots drafting him in the first round. I think Sony Michelle has problems this year. Those problems go beyond his health as well. Moving on, second down. Or whatever, it's not second down. I guess it's three and out. So my second thought on three and out. Um, I love Rex Burkhead. Rex Burkhead is my favorite Patriot. I think he's dynamic. I think he has a diverse skill set. 21 yards a game rushing, 24 yards a game passing or receiving in New England, so 45 yards a game total. I think he could be used so much more. He does everything. He is maybe the best all-around back that the Patriots have because I told you, Michelle, more of a runner. Uh, White, more of a pass catcher. Burkhead does it. Does both. I have a friend who's a diehard Patriots fan who's hated Rex Burkhead. He's told me for years. 
just today when they announced that Rex Burkhead was restructuring his contract to stay in Foxborough, he said, I'm so happy. I love this guy. You were right. Thank you. Rex Burkhead's awesome. It's a great thing that Burkhead for him that he restructured his deal. He took about a million dollars, million and a half million dollars less to stay in Foxborough. He's pretty much assured himself a roster spot. And that's huge, right? His ability to stay on the rosters. That's why he did this. Took less money so he could stay on the roster. Important for him. He knew he was on the verge of getting cut. I thought he was going to get cut. But that said, does it make sense for the Patriots? As much as I love Rex Burkhead, you have Sonny Michelle, a guy you spent a first-round pick on. Damian Harris, a guy you spent a third-round pick on. James White, who's great. You have the young guy, J.J. Taylor out of Arizona, undrafted, who I was actually very excited about, 5-5 bowling ball. Go look him up on YouTube. You still have Brandon Bolden. How many damn running backs do the Patriots need, and how many are they actually going to be able to use? I get why Burkhead did this. If the Patriots had just out and out cut him, they would have saved over $3 million. Restructuring him, they saved about a million dollars. you got to make tough choices somewhere because you've put yourself in this situation. I love Rex Burkhead. I'm glad he's here. I think he's useful. There's a lot of mouths to feed there at the running back position. I wonder if the Patriots would have been wiser to just cut Burkhead, but I'm glad he's here. Lastly, we wrap up with this. There was talk earlier in the offseason about the Patriots cutting Mohamed Sanu to save $6.5 million or perhaps trading him. You heard the 49ers um, had the injury to Debo Samuel. There were thoughts about maybe trading Mohamed Sanu to San Francisco. The two teams have linked up before on trades, most notably the Jimmy Garoppolo one. I wouldn't trade Mohamed Sanu at all. You've seen the videos now of him working out with Cam, and he looks great. But even before I saw that, I wouldn't do it. The team needs him no matter how you slice it. If Jared Stidham is the quarterback, then Mohamed Sanu is a veteran receiver who Jared Stidham's going to need stability in the pass game. They need him. If Cam Newton's there, you're in win-now mode. You just need better players. So you're going to need Mohamed Sanu on that regard. And if the Patriots are really bad, if they're 2-6 and six or 2-5 and five before week 8, just flip Mohamed Sanu with the deadline. There's no rush to do anything now. They can find other ways to save money. They can restructure Joe Tooney like we talked about. They can extend him. They, they could trade him if they really needed to. I don't want them to, but they could. They could do all of that to save money. Getting rid of Mohamed Sanu now is no longer worth it to me financially. He's more worth it to me on the football field, aiding a win-now team or helping a developmental quarterback instead of or simply being a trade chip at the team is out of contention. All right, that is all for us. Episode two of the Believe Podcast Network. Thank you to Matt Verderam, the NFL director at fansided.com for joining us. You can follow him on Twitter at Matt Verderam. You can follow me on Twitter at 1013 Radio Brady. Weekdays, 3 to 6 p.m., 101.3 The Game, Burlington, Vermont. Appreciate everybody. Hey, subscribe, rate, review, and uh, we'll see you next week, everybody. Believe in Patriots podcast. Go Pats. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.